We've got a Devontae Adams squeaky wheel narrative. We've got Kyler Murray returning to practice. We've got six teams on by making rosters feel quite barren. As we inch towards that halfway mark of the regular season, there is no better time than now to start looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs and planning accordingly. Lots of chat through. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I'm your host, Justin Herzig, and we are back to talk some football. Right, first things first, for those who tuned in last week, apologize for the bad internet. Apparently, it went in and out a couple times. I think we've got everything fixed, and uh, hopefully, we won't have to deal with that anymore, but appreciate the patience there. All right, so for today... I'm going to talk through how I'm starting to think about the playoffs for each position. If you are in fantasy leagues where maybe you're sitting at 6-0, 5-1, now is the time to kind of maybe you can take advantage of those teams that are not quite out of the playoffs, but they need a Hail Mary. You can uh, trade them some two-for-ones, give them some depth they need due to injuries, and you get the better player back. And when you're doing that, you're also trying to think through, I mean, how do I set myself up best for the playoffs or Maybe it's not just that. Maybe you're just trying to sweat your DraftKings uh, best ball lineups and you're trying to think through who are the best, what are the best teams that you have going on. Uh, or maybe you're just a sicko and you're thinking for DFS for literally two and plus months ahead. I don't know, but this is always a good topic of conversation. And uh, this is the time when me personally, when I am actually starting to do this and looking ahead towards those playoffs. So, I mean, for me, so six games through, I start thinking about like, okay, when I'm comparing to before the season, when I think about playoff schedule, I usually focus more on the potential game environment more than just the defense. This is because historically, we are far better at projecting which offenses actually have production rather than kind of projecting how defenses are season over season. And so for the passing game, I'm often looking for games where that opponent is really trying to push the pace. They keep your team throwing. They're able to cut up, put up points so you don't just kind of run that clock out. And then on the other side for the running game, this is where I am looking for games where we're looking for teams that are likely to be ahead. We're looking for teams that uh, maybe those, you know, hey, defense, your defense is going to be able to stop them. You're putting yourself in good field position. They're having more three and outs. And you're getting, up, you know, more opportunities for your running backs when you're ahead. When we Now that we're six weeks through, I think we can actually start seeing, hey, maybe there is some truth in these defenses, especially in the tails. For example, this Baltimore Ravens defense has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, we say, we've seen it in every game except for their one against the Ravens, and then they showed it. They bounced back, showed it again against the 49ers last week. So that's an example where it's like, you know, this team is legitimate. This is a team we actually need to consider um, when we're talking about like uh, matchups and such. And then on the other side of things, you get the, hey, we've seen what teams are doing to Denver. We see what people are doing to the Chargers in the air. And so on that side of the tail, these are the teams we do actually want to target. And you can start getting into almost a defensive versus position learnings for, hey, we target this team in the air. We target this team on the ground. Maybe someone like the Titans are actually a pass funnel uh, because it's very difficult to run against them. And they're literally um, giving you those opportunities with their weaker secondary this is how we think through from a scheduling, from a matchups opportunities. So with six weeks under our belt, we'll start looking at those outlier defenses, both strong and weak. So for this exercise, 
I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I'm going to use defensive first position rankings as a baseline to identify those best and worst playoff schedules by each position. No question, there is still small sample size that comes into play when you're specifically looking at defense for position. It is still heavily biased towards what teams they have already played. But that's why I like to start doing this when we're approximately like a third of the way through the full season. So that's six weeks right now. Um, I will not be doing it for tight ends. And I think if you do try to do it for tight ends, you're actually kind of, uh, uh, you're missing the forest for the trees. You end up uh, getting, you know, actually too specific. You know, there's just too much of, hey, which tight ends did you go against uh, that impacts that data. And so far more when I'm thinking about matchups, you can take your tight ends and say, hey, how does the passing game work against them to get a general idea about like whether that QB is going to be passing and passing successfully. Uh, but for me, honestly, I don't really look too much at defensive matchups other than the extremes uh, from a very good defense like playing against Cleveland, because for the most part, it's far more important for who is your tight end on your team? How do they leverage that tight end and um, in different offensive schemes and things like that? So we'll skip tight ends, but we'll go through the other positions. Let's jump into it. So at the QB position, the top three, we'll go top five uh, defensive, uh, top five kind of QB schedules that we're are looking the juiciest. So number one, Atlanta, number two, Tennessee, number three, Cleveland, number four, Philadelphia, number five is Detroit. If we look a little more into this, so why Atlanta, number one, you're getting Carolina, which is a little above average matchup, but then you're getting strong matchups in Indianapolis. I talked about this one last week as being a plus plus matchup for Jacksonville in that passing game. And then in week 17, they're getting Chicago, uh, which we have is the fourth worst against opposing quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter has back-to-back -back hot weeks the last two weeks. Uh, he was in the Millie Maker uh, winning lineup this week. I was not very high on Desmond Ritter coming into the season. Hey, I think there's some job jeopardy aspects and just didn't expect this to be kind of a pass, uh, you know, we're not expecting this to be a pass-heavy team. It's just that how that um, those last weeks have kind of played out. And then from an efficiency standpoint, um, when we look at Atlanta and Tennessee being the top two, it's difficult to uh, really think how we can capitalize on this. I mean, yeah, if it's a regular fantasy league, you're probably not playing either quarterback in your fantasy playoff. If it's two QB leagues, I do think there's opportunity there. But like, who are those quarterbacks going to be come playoff time for both those teams? I really do not know. Uh, with Ryan Tannehill hurt now and the Titans sitting at two and four, not expecting them to be in playoff contention. So will they be, you know, is it Malik Willis who's seen more of the playing time in the preseason? Is it time to give Will Levis? There's just a lot that can happen between now and the end of the season. So not much to capitalize there. And then Falcons, to be honest, like even though Ritter has looked better the past two weeks from a fantasy standpoint, from an actual football, it's not going great there. And nope, I mean, Tampa, New Orleans haven't looked, you know, aren't going to be running away with the division. But if Atlanta's out of it or if Ritter continues to struggle, you have a very confident backup behind him in Taylor Heineke, um, who uh, yeah, Heineke could be a fun little DFS play as well if you come playoff time. So something to consider there. So not nothing too actionable, I think, this far out there. Um, I think Eagles, we already love Jalen Hurts. Cleveland Browns, looks like Deshaun Watson is back at practice today. This is Thursday. So um, if he's continuing to kind of uh, you know, stay healthy, find a little more of whatever he had in the past to kind of 
given that all around skill set, that'd be a positive. He gets that Chicago team in week 15, Houston in week 16, and the Jets, which again, Jets is a pretty good team. Um, they're right now 15th against quarterbacks. They've been, you know, some of these games have been without Sauce Gardner, have been without, uh, you know, with other injuries in their secondary. So I think that New York Jets game will be more difficult than the data is showing right now, as, you know, assuming they get healthier there. Um, for me, though, I think one that is not in the top five, but for me is like the best buy low would be Kyler Murray. And so while I didn't mention Arizona and they come in on this at about the I think ninth best schedule, it's uh, it's hurt because in week 15, they play San Francisco, who's third most third toughest against QBs. But the other two are Chicago and Philly, who 29th and 27th against QBs, both games where, hey, we you know, were able to throw on those secondaries. And so if Kyler Murray is healthy, which Kyler Murray back at practice this week as well, that'd be two top five matchups in the week 16 and 17, which are the two most important weeks for your fantasy playoffs. The team has actually been substantially better than we expected preseason. Dobbs has had two top 10 QB weeks himself. Um, so I, I like that as a strong, uh, if you are looking to, uh, hey, maybe you can get him off the waivers right now. Maybe some other team has him on the bench, but they've got another competent QB. If you're looking for someone who maybe has that upside, especially for those last two weeks, I do like Kyler a lot. Now on the other end, the five teams that have the worst playoff schedules, Coming in last is Miami Dolphins, and second worst is Kansas City Chiefs, then Houston Texans, Minnesota Vikings, and Jacksonville Jaguars. This Dolphins one we're going to talk about a couple of times, but they have a very, very brutal playoff schedule. Starting in week 15, you get the Jets, you then get the Cowboys, and then you get the Ravens. Uh, Cowboys right now seventh against QBs, uh, seventh hardest against QBs, and Baltimore is second hardest against the quarterback. Now, I mean, this Dolphins team is averaging eight yards per play. Um, it, like, are they the outlier on the offensive side that can just beat through any of these? Maybe they have had a very soft schedule so far. I still think they are the best offense in the league, and it's going to stay that way. I think there will be regression from what we've seen so far. Uh, but come that playoff time, that is a very brutal, brutal, difficult schedule. I mean, I don't like it's one. I mean. You, maybe you can get something very strong for some of these Dolphins players, and it's worth capitalizing, especially someone like, I know we're talking about QBs right now, but maybe it's Raheem Mostert or someone who's, you know, we also have those downsides of more players with HN getting healthy, Jeff Wilson getting healthy, that it's going to make it more difficult down the stretch. I'm not trading Tyreek Hill because of these difficult, difficult schedules. Tua, I could see an argument for it, uh, but it's more of just a, hey, you know, beware caution that there's going to be some very, it could be very difficult uh, schedules come playoffs for the Dolphins. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. You're not really benching him. You're not, you know, you're still going to play him despite his difficult schedule and that playoff stretch, but hey, maybe you have the ability to turn Patrick Mahomes into Jalen Hurts. You're now talking about, uh, which I like Jalen Hurts to begin with a little more anyways, but now you're saying, hey, Jalen Hurts has that easy fourth easiest schedule. Patrick Mahomes has the second worst. Maybe you have to throw in another player with that Patrick Mahomes, but maybe that's something you can be looking at. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that that's that um, for the quarterback side of things. Let's move over to running backs. 
At the top, we have Atlanta Falcons with the easiest playoff schedule, followed by Cleveland Browns, L.A. Chargers, Philadelphia Eagles, and Tennessee Titans. Starting off at the top, Falcons, they are getting the second easiest matchup against Carolina Week 15, moving to the uh, ninth easiest versus Indy, and then fourth easiest versus Chicago. For the Falcons, hey, this could just be Bijan Robinson going absolutely ham near the end of the season. Right now, we've seen Bijan leading the league in, um, I think it's routes among running backs, so we know he's getting that usage in the passing game. Where we've seen Bijan kind of lacking is still splitting the workload with Tyler Algier, especially around the goal line. Tyler Algier got the two-point conversion last week, not Bijan Robinson. Does that change as the season progresses and Bijan just kind of comes a little more into, gets a little more comfortable in the NFL possibly? And if so, this is just setting up for Bijan to have an absolutely, uh, you know, epic, heroic uh, playoff uh, play, playoff schedule, playoff opportunity for your team. I'm going to call it as well a buy low would be Tyler Algier for two things here. One is because this schedule is so easy for Atlanta, it is possible that hey, maybe they're actually up in these games. Maybe they're up by a touch on two touchdowns. Tyler Algier gets a little more usage in those games. Um, and hey, it's going to be highly efficient because of how bad those defenses are showing to be. Or the other side is maybe Bijan actually gets hurt. And if Bijan gets hurt, Tyler Algier would go into a RB1 uh, top 10 probable, not even higher play given these matchups, given how much Atlanta wants to run. And Atlanta could be, if they're not favored, they're definitely going to be very close in all three of those games. So great game environments for the running backs there. Cleveland Browns have that second easiest schedule, getting Chicago, Houston, and then the Jets. Jets are actually fifth worst against opposing running backs so far this year. And if you look at their matchup, it's not like they've gone against like uh, stud running backs. It's just I think teams know that it's a little more difficult, especially when you have Sauce Gardner and you have health in that secondary, to um, pass against the Jets. And uh, they have been able to run as well. Teams from an offensive standpoint are getting the ball in good field position because the Jets' offense has not been doing much. Um, maybe that gives more touchdown equity for the running backs. But whatever it is, this Jets' defense, from a rushing standpoint, has given up the fifth most uh, points, to, points to opposing running backs. Uh, so Cleveland Browns there could be now this past week. Kareem Hunt, we saw playing a bit more than the week before. So Jerome Ford, while I think he's still the kind of 1A in that offense, there's a chance that Kareem Hunt continues to squeak out a role. Maybe it's like the Chubb Hunt, um, you know, breakdown of the past. But either way, Jerome Ford is the one that I want to own. Kareem Hunt, maybe not horrible with a bench stash, but both could be very solid plays given that playoff schedule. And the third one that I'll talk about is the Chargers. I put a tweet about this recently as well. But you know, for the Chargers, they're getting Las Vegas, they're getting Buffalo, and they're getting Denver. Denver the absolute worst against running backs, and it's not even close. I personally think that if you are able to get Austin Eckler on your Week 17 best ball team, I'm projecting that he is going to be the most valuable um, player from a projections combined with ownership. Because right now, he is only on 2.6% of first-place teams, according to Underdog on the Best Ball Mania. So that's only about 5% of teams that are advancing 
given he's missed those weeks early on, but combined with what his upside is, how great of an opponent that matchup that is against Denver in week 17, Eckler could just be the absolute uh, week 17 hammer that if you've got him, awesome. Unfortunately, not many people will because most of those teams likely aren't going to make it to that point. All right. On the other side of things, the most difficult matchups for the playoffs. So the most difficult one, starting with the New York Giants, then you have Houston Texans, Cincinnati Bengals, Seattle Seahawks, and New York Jets. Looking at the Giants, they are going against the second best, the third best, and the eighth best against the running backs. That's New Orleans, Philly, and Los Angeles Rams. Now, maybe Saquon Barkley is a little resistant to this because he's used so much in the passing game. You know, um, alternative to just a more traditional running back that maybe you can't run against these staunch defensive lines that the uh, Saints, Eagles, and Rams all have. But either way, it's still very difficult defenses from a running aspect to go against. So Saquon, especially combined with how bad this offensive line for the Giants is, I think it's going to be really difficult for the Giants, Daniel Jones, going against those front sevens of those teams. Uh, may just be a complete stay away. So this is where I think if you do have Saquon Barkley, we saw his very strong usage last week going forward. If you want to try it now, or maybe you wait till he has another big game or something, if you're able to trade him away, he's someone that I would definitely be concerned to have on my roster come playoffs with those matchups. And similarly, I'm going to touch on the Texans there. We know that the Texans get the Titans twice in both week 15 and week 17. And all the narrative around the Titans has been, this is a pass funnel. It's difficult to run against them. Now you've got Damian Pierce as like your 1A in that offense, who's not being used as a pass catcher. He's already losing a little of that role to Devin Singletary as well with a little hot hand last week. Probably not going to be able to get too much for Damian Pierce right now, but hey, hope that Damian Pierce maybe has a big game or two in the next one or two in the next couple of games. And maybe you're able to sell them off because come playoff time, don't think you're going to be able to expect much from anyone in that Houston at backfield against Tennessee in those two weeks. And the one in between is Cleveland, which we don't want anything to do with Cleveland. All right, so I've got that by lows there. Tyler Algier, Jerome Ford. The selling is definitely Damian Pierce. Um, that's probably the big one there. Oh, and, and the Saquon Barkley, if you can. Let's round it out with wide receivers. So the top five from defensive first positions for wide receivers that were talking about favorable playoff schedules. First is Seattle Seahawks. Second is the Eagles, then the Lions, the Broncos, and the Bengals. For the Seahawks, you're getting Philly, you're getting Tennessee, you're getting Pitt. Philly and Tennessee, as we talked about, are pure pass funnels. We expect Seattle to be throwing a bunch there. And then Pittsburgh just overall. Uh, pretty favorable matchup from that secondary. That's the, uh, let's see, it's the sixth, the ninth, and the fourth easiest games to come up with the easiest playoff schedule for the Seahawks. Now, what does that Seahawks receiver core look like? That's where it's obviously difficult. I'll touch a little more on the Seahawks um, shortly when we get to the actually this week and can kind of talk about what that those routes look like. But again, this is also forecasting we're in week seven. We're talking weeks 15, 16, 17. Maybe JSN has a lot larger role. We'll see. 
for the Eagles, you're getting Seattle, you're getting the Giants, you're getting Arizona, all pretty favorable uh, defenses from a passing standpoint from four receivers. And so if that's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, maybe even Julio Jones, the new signing. But, I mean, A.J. Brown has just had fantastic connection with Jalen Hurts the past four games. I think he's over 100-plus, might even be definitely over 100 yards. It might even be 150 yards for the last four games. But that connection has been unreal. Not expecting that to slow down at all. Um, And maybe Devontae Smith can actually – whether it's the squeaky wheel, uh, I think if you look at the kind of buy low or the buy Leone style charts, Devontae Smith is one of those guys that continues to pop, getting the opportunities, just hasn't really been able to convert. Um, so either of those, you, you, if you've got Eagles, you're happy, you love that, no question there. On the other side of things, the most difficult matchups for wide receivers, no surprise, we talked about them earlier, but the worst is the Miami Dolphins, followed by... Washington, Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, Carolina Panthers. But for the Dolphins, again, going against the Jets, the Dallas, the Cowboys, and the Ravens. Very, very difficult secondaries to go against. Um, I don't know how much is actionable here. Again, you're not going to be getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle has actually started to come on. So if you're trying to sell him now, I don't think you're getting enough value of what you could get. Maybe if you're able to turn like a Tyreek Hill into one of the other absolute studs, um, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. If you wait a little, you probably you would want to get more than just Tyreek there. But just going to continue to hammer. Uh, I mean, just harp on how difficult of a secondary uh, schedule that is for the QB, for the wide receivers, for the Dolphins in those three weeks, and the other one, Washington, going against the Rams, going against the Jets. Going at San Francisco, very difficult schedule for those final three weeks. Okay, um, let's look uh, forward at the Thursday night football matchup tonight. Going directly into it, it's a lot easier for us to kind of examine the Saints side of things because there's, there's fewer question marks. For the Saints sides, Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara are going to be the highest owned on the showdown slate tonight because really those are the only two that you can have true confidence in their volume. Jamal Williams will be back tonight, it sounds like. That's going to hurt Kendra Miller. It might cut into kind of Alvin Kamara's touchdown upside, but to be fair, that's not really where Alvin Kamara has been eating. He's been doing it in the passing game, getting those checkdowns. If you're trying to play some pass catchers from the Saints, I'd say Michael Thomas is probably my favorite pass catcher when you consider price and ownership, price ownership and projection. So Michael Thomas is $2,000 cheaper than Chris Olave. He's projected to be less owned and from a points wise, only projected to score around two points, maybe a point and a half less than Chris Olave. No one really wants to play the old dusty guy, but despite him running around 90% of the dropbacks, he's got a 23% target share on the year. That's only 3% fewer than Olave. Who's at 26% just needs a little of that touchdown variance on the Jag side of things. It is still a toss up of whether Trevor Lawrence plays Latest reports are that it's going to be a game-time decision. One of those, show up and practice, feel it out, see if you're able to go. If he is able to go, he, along with it, Derek Carr, and the two running backs tomorrow at ETN will likely be the highest-owned players on this slate. If Trevor Lawrence is out, I'm not expecting C.J. Beathard to really be that highly owned because you're not actually getting that much savings compared to what Trevor Lawrence's price would have been. 
for the passing game of Jacksonville, whether it's Beathard or whether it is Trevor Lawrence, you still have the big three pass catchers that'll take the majority of the volume with Zay Jones being out. So that's Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. ETN is leading the league in touches and expecting him, even though it's a difficult matchup on the ground against New Orleans, I still believe that Jacksonville, especially with the Trevor Lawrence injury or with backup QB playing, are going to still try to establish it, whether or not they're able to, we'll see. Maybe this actually means, my thought is you're going to see a lot more kind of short passes, either QB getting the ball out quickly. Calvin Ridley is probably the one that is hurt the most if you do go into a short pass game um, uh, style, because a lot of his work is more downfield. So that's Evan Ingram with the low average at the target. That's Christian Kirk out of the slot are probably your kind of primary beneficiaries of this short passing game. And maybe ETN, who's been running a lot of routes, but just hasn't been turning them into receptions, can actually get a bit more work in the past game. And if you're looking for a sneaky punt in this game, my favorite is Jamal Agnew at only $400. He's been running the routes. He just hasn't been getting the target. So if you're trying to go for the bottom of the barrel, $400 is almost as cheap as it gets. And I could see Jamal Agnew hey, if someone's going to lock into a touchdown, maybe it is him. There's also that uh, we've seen sometimes when you bring a backup quarterback up, that backup QB in practice has been working with the guys who aren't kind of the more studs. And so maybe him and Agnew uh, have that connection that you want to that uh, the connection that Trevor Lawrence wouldn't have had. So if C.J. Beathard end up being the quarterback, those uh, – those pass catchers outside of the core three that are normally playing with Trevor Lawrence, maybe we've got a little more upside just from the connection they've been able to develop the rapport in practice. Looking ahead to Sunday's main slate, we only have 10 games this week because six teams are on by. There's six early games, four later ones. This far out, ownership looks to be pretty spread out. Obviously, there's a few different injuries we're currently monitoring at the running back position that, depending on how they play out, we could see some higher ownership. But this includes Jameer Gibbs. Craig Reynolds looked like he may not play. We know David Montgomery's not going to play. So if Gibbs is the only RB back there, that becomes really tempting. Roshan Johnson was missing with a concussion last week. He's questionable. We'll see if we get him in. But that would be a nice um I'd say a nice strong play over Deonta Foreman if Roshan is able to. Uh, we've seen Roshan get the nod ahead of Deonta Foreman in the majority of games this year. And then also the Rams backfield. While the injuries are already known, what happens as a result of the injuries? Still question marks. They brought Royce Freeman from the practice squad up. They signed Daryl Henderson to the practice squad. Will he make it up? We're still seeing... There's obviously Zach Evans, who has been the active third running back behind Kyron and Rivers. Um, it's really, this one is going to be very, very hard to project. But we do know that McVay likes to find one running back and use that running back heavily in games. So if you've got a feel, if you can read through the tea leaves, there's definitely some upside from a GP stamp, from a GPP standpoint on if you can guess the Rams backfield correctly. Going into the games, the biggest game on the slate unquestionably will be the Chargers at Chiefs. Chiefs at home, five and a half point favorites. This over-under is 47 and a half. It's the highest on the slate. My lean here is to take Pacheco, whose role is really, it's gradually been increasing both on the ground and in the air. 
I just don't really trust any of the pass catchers besides Kelsey. And I think the Kelsey Mahomes stack is going to be overplayed. If you look at the wide receivers, again, I continue to say that Rasheed Rice is my favorite, but he's just not running really. You can't expect him to run more than about 50% of the routes. Everything is so spread out. They even just traded back for Mecole Hardman. I'm not expecting Hardman to play a role this week, but I think it does say like, hey, when you've got the, you know, you've got the other injuries at wide receiver, like they're just not happy with what that current wide receiver crow looks like. Or you could say they are very content with their just being continued rotation. And let's keep that rotation going, even when you have these injuries like you do to Justin, uh, Justin Watson and Hardman will play that role, not this week, but in the future. Either way, I'm staying away from those wide receivers, not trying to kind of hit that roulette wheel. Um, but I do like Pacheco as lot. On the Chargers side of things, I'm expecting both Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer to be pretty popular. Allen obviously continues to have this huge role and upside. And then Josh Palmer only has a $4,800 price tag, despite being the clear number two in that offense. Quentin Johnston, just whatever the reason we were hoping out of the bye, we'd see more out of him. But he was really just running wind sprints. He's not even the number. He's barely the number three in that offense. Um and offenses as the wide receivers. Austin Eckler didn't have the most notable uh, comeback last week, but again, that was against a very difficult Dallas defense. Eckler's at 8,600, which probably won't get too, ma- too much action as people are looking to pay down at running back this week. But we know Austin Eckler's upside. This could be another week, another another week healthier. I. Oh, I was going to say a lot easier, a, a decent amount better matchup uh, against Kansas City. Kansas City does have a good defense, but not in the same ballpark as the Cowboys. And so, hey, if you're looking to kind of find a way to get unique in this game and get substantial upside, you're getting leverage off of Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer as well from a touchdown standpoint. So Eckler 8,600, I do think is a strong pay up play. And the other game that is popping over here is Arizona at Seattle given both have pretty poor passing defenses. Are people going to go back to Marquise Brown at around that same $5,300 price point? Gino on the other side at $6,000 and your choice of a pass catcher. No one really wants to play the Chiefs passing game just because there's so much ambiguity and, and there's just no clarity on how it's going to play out. We've seen this in past years with the Godwin and the Mike Evans aspects. Uh, but I believe this is actually, a, no, I think they're, There are some things that we can learn if we look into the data to understand who are the best plays and who should we really be targeting. If we look at the roles of uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, their roles haven't really changed this year. Still, both of them, I mean, so if I look Tyler Lockett, he's running 88% of the routes, DK Metcalf 86. Tyler Lockett's getting 23% of the targets, DK Metcalf 20. And there hasn't been any gradual movement among those. I think what's most notable here is if you look at the end zone targets, Tyler Lockett's earned 53% of the end zone targets on this team. DK Metcalf down to 32% with two games getting zero uh, zero end zone targets. This is where I think uh, it's a little different from what we've seen in previous years. Last year, DK Metcalf, why I was kind of bullish on him going into this year, despite his high price tag, is he had so many end zone targets, just wasn't able to convert last year. And I thought we'd see some... I think we, I thought we'd see some regret, a positive regression in the touchdown category for him, but it seems like he's just not on pace to get that same 
to see that same usage in the red zone, in the end zone that he got last year. Is that by design? Is that something that they saw in the offseason? They said, we want to change this. I'm not sure. But Tyler Lockett seems to be, despite short, small, smaller sample size, obviously only six weeks, well, really five weeks because they've already had their bye, but he seems to be the favorite red zone, end zone target for this year. And so if I am doing a stack, I think Geno and Lockett is what I'm really going with, hoping for that multi-TD game. And then Marquise Brown on the other side because he continues to be a target hog. Just got to come down with the ball. Those two 40-yard passes where Marquise Brown had multiple steps on his defender, both would have been easy touchdowns. We'd be looking at Marquise Brown very differently if he connects on just one of those. Oof, if it would have been two, it would have been crazy. So that is still in the cards. Obviously, it's Josh Jobs, so we've got to say, hey, well, you know, he's just not that good, so maybe there's a reason why, you know, he's not able to connect. And, yes, we need to factor that in. But I'm still saying, like, I think it was 11 targets last week. Marquise Brown at his cheap price, 3300 is still a strong play. And if you don't want to play Geno, if you're looking, you know, you don't feel great about the lock of the DK, whatever. If you're looking for a mini stack, I still think you can strongly consider going Marquise Brown and Kenneth Walker as the Cardinals are 30th against the run. Even despite coming out of the bye, Charbonnet is not eating into Kenneth Walker's usage. Charbonnet's use has increased a bit but it's not coming at the expense of Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is still the primary back in that offense. Um, and Kenneth Walker hasn't had that big kind of a breakout, breakout game for this year. This could be that one. And if so, we want Marquise Brown just catching all those passes, playing catch up on the other side of things. Okay, that is it for this week. Best of luck to everyone in your weekend. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence is able to play tonight and we get a fun game with the Jags and the Saints. Um, and, uh, I'm going to sign off for now, but, uh, best of luck. If I don't, if I'm not winning all these tournaments this week, I hope that it is each of you. And, uh, between now and the weekend, if you have any questions, anything else, feel free, obviously tag me on Twitter, reach out with any questions, happy to help out. And, uh, I will see you all Sunday night, Monday to for a recap of how the week went. Best of luck later.